God, we just love you. We thank you for what you're doing even now. Thank you for cyber sanctuary worship. Have your way. Speak to us. Bless us as we worship your name. In the mighty, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Word of God is coming from the pastor's scripture that you heard in your hearing. I just want to read the first two verses there. Psalm 46, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, Saints, I want to just remind you, even if you're at home and you're online, I anticipate that you're going to be in worship mode. So either you have your Bible with you or you have your online device that you can use to open up and look and read scripture. Amen. I want you to get in the habit. If this is going to be the way we're going to have to worship, you get in the habit now of bringing your Bible with you when you come to having worship in the cyber sanctuary. Act like you're in the sanctuary. Amen. Amen. Here's the word of God. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. That's where I'm going to stop right there. The word of God for the people of God. Somebody say, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated if you're in the sanctuary. This few of us that are gathered in this place today, skeleton crew in keeping with the laws of the land. I want to talk for the next few moments. I want to bless God and bless you online in thinking about this theme here, managing uncertainty. Managing uncertainty. This is part two. Managing uncertainty. What's interesting is that this psalm is an interesting psalm. It's one of the psalms of the sons of Korah. And this psalm was meant to be sung and meant to be lifted up and radiated and gifted to the church, to the Jewish people. This psalm is a wonderful psalm because it is actually used in many cases in many parts of Jewish worship even to this day. It's a historic psalm. It's an important psalm. Most people, some scholars believe that this psalm was written after a major battle or victory. But if you read the psalm closely enough, this doesn't sound like one of those celebratory psalms where they're just rejoicing. You know, there's, there's not like, I will bless the Lord or bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is, this is not that kind of a psalm. This is not just a, 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 a Psalm 100 psalm, you know. This is not one of those where you have just the joy and the blessings and the happiness that one would have in the midst of celebration. Now, this psalm is unusual because this psalm is more like a confession of faith. That's really what it is. It's a confession of faith. Now, maybe the confession came post a major victory, but it's more of a confession of faith. It's more of saying what they know of God, and God is our refuge. That's the confession of faith. He says, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's a confession of faith. And then the declaration of the confession comes in the next line, which says, this is what I'm going to do in response to what God has done. Therefore, as a result of God being my refuge and my strength, as a result of God being a very present help in trouble, therefore, 
as the result, we will not fear. That's the therefore. As a result of what God has done, as a result of what I've seen of God, as a result of the blessings of God, I've made a declaration. And those who agree with me have joined me in my declaration. We will not fear. It's amazing when stuff goes wrong how people respond to trouble, disappointment, and tragedies. They, people respond in a lot of strange ways when, when life is not what they were expecting. And I, sometimes I watch people, you know, you, you really learn a lot about a person's character by what they do under pressure. You know, yeah, you learn a lot about how far you've come in God to when you can stub your toe and the first word out of your mouth is not one that you did not be proud of. You learn a lot about how far you've come in God to when someone can do something to you and your first response is not, I got to cut or miss the rule. That's the Bernie Mac response. You, you learn a lot about how you are when you, when you have a tragedy and something goes wrong and your first inclination is not to hate someone the rest of their life, but instead to say, I forgive you. You learn a lot about who you really are when you're under pressure, when you're feeling weak, when life is pressed upon you and you feel despair. I was, uh, I was looking at this passage and I thought about something that really reminded me of, of two different attitudes in the midst of despair, in the midst of trouble, and, and they both come from the concentration camp during the Holocaust where millions of Jews were slaughtered. One person said if we took a moment of silence for every person killed during the Holocaust, it would take us 11 years of silence to remember all those that died. There were two responses to those tragedies, the people who were actually there. And they speak a lot about how people handle pain. In one response, a person etched on the wall there in the cellar at, at the Auschwitz camp said this, if there is a God, he will have to beg for my forgiveness. Now that's total despair. If there is a God, he will have to beg for my forgiveness. That's total despair. Believe me, I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody. I'm not trying to say anything negative or positive. I just want to tell you about the difference in the attitude. But there's another quote on the cellar of another person wrote this. Here's their quote. I believe in the sun even when it isn't shining. I believe in love even when I cannot feel it. I believe in God even when he is silent. Two totally different responses to the exact same injustice and inhumane situation. Two completely different responses to grief, to struggle, to pain. And what one has to decide when one looks at life is how one is going to deal with the hand one has been dealt. What am I going to do with it? Oh, I have heard some things in the last few days of how people are dealing with this new issue to try and keep us in and minimize the number of people. I'm looking around now. We're well underneath the number that you're supposed to have gathered. 
And it's hard for churches, it's hard for us, because we're used to worshiping as communities. But I've heard people who have been told to stay home, and, and the thing just started, and folks talking about they got cabin fever already. One day in the house, and they got cabin fever. I can't believe it. There are people right now who are just, oh my God, what are we going to do? The sky is not falling. And some people really are, are struggling now. And, and a part of the struggle is the way we handle issues in life. So this week on Tuesday, I'm going to begin a series. And I'm going to be on Tuesday night, 6.30. Get on Facebook Live, see, see it. I'm going to do a new series of Bible studies on the quiet mind for troubled times. You have to realize that you need to recognize some things about life. I, I learned some lessons when I read this text. This text got me, it really did, because I've read this a thousand times. I've preached on it before. I've preached in so many different ways on this text because it's one of my favorites, of course. I mean, Luther wrote a hymn about it, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, A Bulwark Never Failing. It's a great text. I've preached it. But I realized something that the text taught me that I didn't see early on, but I see through fresh eyes now. The psalmist does three significant things to manage what has to be the uncertainty of his day. Because see, no matter the fact whether they succeeded in battle and they got the victory and God did what they asked him to do, there's still a lot of uncertainty and upheaval even in the midst of God working. And the psalmist does three things that are interesting to me that grab my attention in these few moments we have together. The first thing the psalmist does, and it's something you need to do, he acknowledged their frustration. He acknowledged their frustration. And I want to tell you this. While I jokingly, you know, talk about people being cabin fever and being all upset, I want you and I to both acknowledge the frustration. There's a lot to be frustrated about. There's, there's inadequate information and fear and worry over health care supplies and fear and worry over whether testing is going to take place or who can be tested or who will be tested. Fear and woe and worry over what's going on. And, you know, I, I find myself getting more like my mother every day. You know, my mother would, would worry about other folk children. Ain't got nothing to do with her, but she'd be praying for me, worrying about her. So when I saw the kids on the beach in Florida, I'm just praying, Lord, let those young people go home. Let them, let them realize the series. I just can't help it. You just worry about other folk children. But there's a lot of fear and frustration. Yeah, I, I know, I know. You know, word frustration actually talks about the feeling of dissatisfaction. It's accompanied by anxiety, depression in some cases, even resulting from unfulfilled needs or unresolved problems. This is a frustrating time. I don't care how deep you are, and some of y'all are real deep. This is a frustrating time. Because you don't know what you don't know. And anytime a doctor tells you, well, I don't know how long it will last. Would there be any residual effects? We don't really know. We've never seen this strain before. Ah! I don't know how it's carried. 
well, we think it's done this way. We think it, and it gets to where you're like. I can tell you this. Acknowledge the fact that it's frustrating, but don't let it frustrate you completely. Yeah. Acknowledge that you may have a little anxiety, a little angst about it. Don't act like you don't recognize what's going on. Don't act like it doesn't affect you. You know, there's some things you can fake the funk with. Um, sorry for those of you who are not a, here in the sanctuary, you can't really see how I really mean this, but to fake the funk means that you are acting like something is what it ain't. And uh, you need to realize that, that don't try and fake it, just, yeah, that didn't feel good. I acknowledge that. I ain't gonna lose my mind over it. Just gonna say it didn't feel good. You know, and, and you know, I got to the place now where I'm like, well, if, if they're standing there and they're being paid to know and they don't know, I guess they'll tell us when they do know. And until then, there's no sense in me worrying about it. Years ago, I told this story before, I love this story, but my dad gets a kick out of this. I, I was, uh, we were in Coleman, Alabama, and I had my old deuce and a quarter. It was a wonderful car. Oh, I love that car. I'm still trying to find that car again. I had a deuce and a quarter. It was brown, had a tan top on it. Oh, man, that deuce would lay. You would hit the gas. The engine would rise up. The tail would fall down. That baby would fly. Oh, that baby was nice. Well, I was a college student. I didn't always take the best care of it, you know. Sometime I'd leave and go come to Connecticut, and I was living in Alabama, and stuff would happen to the car. I'd come back, get it repaired. And, well, one time my dad came down to visit me in Alabama. And he was we were riding towards Beatrice from uh, from Huntsville, and uh, something happened to the deuce and a quarter. I think we found out later the freeze out plug. The engine had gotten too cold. The block had frozen. Freeze out plug popped out. Okay, the car went down. We on an Alabama highway, pitch black. Now I'm not talking about black. I'm talking about black. It was so dark out there, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I'm, you know, I was upset, kind of anxious. And I really got a little more anxious because we were near a place called Common. Now, if you're from down there, you kind of know, at one point, Coleman had a little slight reputation of being a, a little clannish. So now, we're in clannish territory, in a car stuck on a dark highway, and then I was late, I was tired, I was with my daddy. So I crawled over the seat, and the deuce was huge in the back, laid across the, the, the uh, back seat, and went to sleep. A little while later, my dad woke me. How can you sleep now? I looked at daddy and I told him what I'm gonna tell you. I realize where we are. I realize the situation we're in, and I know you. You're not gonna go to sleep. And since you're going to be up watching all night long, there's no sense in both of us losing sleep. I want to tell you, I know the situation. I know where we are. I know it's rough. But since, uh, Brother Lamont, 
all night and all day. The angels are watching over me. No sense that all of us losing sleep. Let, let the angels keep watch. Let, let God keep watch over the situation. Let, let God handle it. Let God take those who have been given his gifts and skills and abilities of math and science and, and all the industry. Let God touch those political leaders in their minds and let them take this serious. Let God watch over it. I'm not going to be worried about oh oh Oh, woo! The angels keep watching over me, my love. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The angels keep watching over me. Woo. Okay. Now, 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 the second thing, not only did they acknowledge their frustration, that's what the text says, the text suggests, but the text also suggests that they accept the facts. They accepted the facts. Now, now, why would you say they accept the facts? Because if you read closely, they talk about stuff going wrong. Let, let's, let's, look, let's look at the text. The text says, verse 3 says, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Verse 4 says, though the rivers, it says, though the mountains shake, though the waters roar and be troubled. He said, look, there are waters that are roaring. There are mountains that are shaking. There are things that are going wrong. I'm accept the fact. Okay, accept the fact that COVID-19, the, the coronavirus is in the land. Okay, I can't do anything about it other than pray. I'm done. I'm gonna wash my hands. Uh, Deacon Medina and I were just lamenting in the office. We washed our hands so much that as soon as the hands dry five minutes later, they look white. For those of you listening by radio, that doesn't happen very easily for me. The, the truth of the matter is that, that all I can do, wash my hands, try to keep my hands out of my face. Doesn't work too well when you're preaching. I, I, all I can do is try to keep social distancing the six feet away. I can follow the CDC guidelines. But that's it. But I can acknowledge the facts. What is, is. And I don't need to let what is upset me. Amen? Facts are the facts. Don't act like it's not happening. And this goes with anything in your life. One of the things I tell people is, if you don't acknowledge your frustration about any issue in life, you end up becoming passive aggressive. You end up becoming rude and mean and not even realizing you have an attitude and you're carrying the attitude because you won't deal with what's frustrating you. See, my way of dealing with what frustrates me is to turn it over to God. Instead of me handling, giving it to God. That's my handling of frustration. 
accepting the facts allows me to say, okay, this is what it is. And since I can't change what is other than through my prayers, I'm not going to let it wear my nerves out. But then the third thing is in the text. And here's the one that kind of jumps off the page for me. He affirms the faith. That confession I was talking about there, it's an affirmation of the faith. See, what I need to do is this. I need to realize uh, my good friend and, and brother, and y'all know him, uh, Dr. Edward P. Harding Jr. Uh, Dr. Ed likes to make things sound fancy, and so every now and then I use his fancy terms, and if I didn't tell you I got it from Ed, I'm telling you now, Dr. Ed gave me this one. Um, so he doesn't like to use things that would sound normal, like, you know, the, the crap hit the fan, and you know the word y'all use. So Dr. Ed would say, the feces hit the rotating circular blade. Now, that has happened. But even though it has happened, it doesn't mean I'm going to get hit with it. <laughs> Stuff has gone wrong, but it doesn't mean that God has abandoned me. Now watch this. I'm, 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 getting, ready, I'm getting ready to take this down the closing road. Watch this. This is going to bless somebody at home. I want you to get ready. Just give God a praise for it. Anyhow, this is the blessing here. What he does is he affirms the faith. Look at the verses again. God, just verse 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, let's take it again. The first one, God is our refuge and strength. Now, that's God's protection. That's the protection of God. You need to realize that what the psalmist came to understand is that God is the one that protects me. God, I, I, I need to realize God is my protection. God is what's going to keep me. God is the one. He that keepeth watch over Israel, the same God that keepeth watch over me. God is my protection. God is my strength. So when I say, and you ought to say it with me, God is our refuge and strength. You are, God is our refuge and strength. That's all you need to keep just saying. God is our refuge and strength. You can say it in your house. God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength. And then you remind yourself, God is my protection. Woo, glory to God. God is my protection. I don't have to worry about anything else. I got God on my side. Now, now, now look, I I'm, I'm just want to give you the, the affirmation of faith. The second affirmation is right there. A very present help in trouble. <sighs> Listen, God is the present God. That God is present in my trouble. 
that, that he is in my situation. God is present. Wait a minute. God didn't promise me there would be no disease. God didn't promise me there would be no death, no sickness. God didn't promise me there wouldn't be any trauma or any dilemmas. But what God promised was, I'll be present. God says, I will be there. God is my present help. God is here right now. God is present. That's the presence of God. The presence of God is here right now. The presence of God is in your home. The presence of God is in your car. The presence of God is on your job. God promises I'll be present. And if God is present, I'm going to be okay because God is with me. And if God is with me, everything is going to be all right. God in one makes a majority. So I already win because God is present. I affirm my faith in God. God is present. I know that God is on my side. God is present. Even in this situation right now, God is present. If you're at your house, walk around. Look up and around your house and say, God is present. God is present. I'm not by myself because God is here. I'm not by myself because God is walking with me. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. God is present. Okay. Okay, I'm going, I'm done. I'm done with this one. He says, therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. What, what he says is, that's the peace of God. I determined not to be afraid of anything. And somebody say, Reverend, what you, how are you going to say that? I, I want to tell somebody this. The reason I can declare it is because God is with me. And since God is with me, I've got peace. Now let me go back to my story about my daddy. If I can have that kind of confidence in my daddy to go to sleep on a dark street in an area where people don't like me because of my race, then I know I can have that kind of confidence in my heavenly father and decree and declare today that God is my peace and because he's my peace I will walk in peace I'll talk in peace I got victory because of the peace of God and somebody may ask you when you go around and you talk to them and you zoom call them or you FaceTime them they may say how are you at peace you just look at them and tell them I need to tell you something the peace I have it just doesn't make any sense uh, because the peace I have uh, it surpasses all understanding uh, you may not understand it uh, but I walk in peace uh, because the God I serve uh, he is the prince of peace uh, and since he's got peace uh, I have peace uh, in my soul uh, peace uh, in my mind uh, Peace in my spirit. The Lord gives his beloved peace. Let's go ahead. We're going to make it through this crisis. For the peace of the Lord is upon you. Let God's peace reign in your heart. And reign in your mind. And reign in 
your soul uh, peace, uh, peace, uh, peace, uh, peace, uh, peace, uh, peace. Uh, I speak peace. Uh, I speak peace uh, into your spirit. Uh, I talk to your spirit. Uh, stand up, uh, woman of God. Uh, stand up, uh, man of God. Uh, walk in peace. Uh, Talk in peace, live in peace, lift up your head. The God you serve is still alive. Peace. Woo! Peace. 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 God is with us. We shall not fear. 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 Walking in peace. I'm walking in peace because the peace of God goes with me. Ow! Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace. You promised that you would keep us in perfect peace if we keep our minds stayed on you. So, Lord, help us now to lift up our minds and get them stayed on you. Thank you, Lord, for news broadcasters who even put themselves in harm's way to bring us the word from across the world of how this disease is pervading the land. We pray for them. We pray that you will be with them. We pray you cover them. Some of them have even gotten sick as a result of their reporting. We pray for their healing. Thank you for every leader. You told us to pray for them that have rule over us, for they keep watch over our souls. So we pray for every leader, for every mayor, every governor, every city councilor, every representative, whether they're state representative or national congressional representative, every senator. God, we rebuke the spirit that may come upon them that wishes to cheat, steal, and defraud, that wishes to slip things in bills that don't belong, that wishes to push agendas that are not helpful to the American people. We pray, God, that their agendas will be altruistic and pure, that they will not try to make side deals to slip in their favorite pet project just because they can, and they will not make deals that will justify their debauchery, but instead, God, we pray, God, that you will use them to do good on behalf of the people, 
God, your word has taught us that righteousness exalted the nation, but a sin is a reproach to any people. Help us, Lord, to be a righteous nation. Help our leaders to be righteous. Help our commander-in-chief to be righteous. God, we pray for our military. We pray that you bless them even as they're in foreign lands and doing work that you've assigned to their hands, but they're worried about their families back home. We ask that you would cover them and bless their home front even now and give them peace of mind. We pray for all of our first responders. God, we not only pray for every doctor and every nurse, but every orderly and every individual technician Every person that has to go in and clean a room, Lord, that has had someone who may have been sick from a virus or a disease, I pray that you cover them with the blood. I pray you bless them, God. God, I pray you remember every person in hospital administration. I pray you give them godly wisdom that they may be able, Lord, to take the resources they have to use them to the best of their abilities. I pray for every ethics committee, God. I pray, God, that even as they are making decisions about who will receive treatment and what kind of treatment is made. I pray that those decisions are made in your will and not in their own personal biases. I pray you cover their mind and thinking with the blood so that they're fair to everyone. I pray for them right now. I pray for every officer, every person working on the front line, every fireman, every paramedic. I pray that you bless them as they come in contact with the public. I pray for every service worker and every grocery store and every service industry right now who has to continue to work in the midst of a shutdown. I pray that as they come in contact with people going in and out, that they will be covered even now. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our homeless population. We pray for compassion for each one of them. We pray, God, that there'll be compassionate housing put together, that there will be no one on the streets during this season and no disease will overwhelm them during this season. I pray for compassion upon those that are less fortunate. I pray for our seniors and their fear. I pray, God, that their fear will subside and it will give way to a newfound faith and a trust in you. I pray for them. God, we cover each of them. God, there's so many of the saints who are listening right now. I pray for them in their homes. Some of them, God, are praying for loved ones who are sick. Lord, before the virus ever came, there were people who were dealing with health issues and health challenges. And so I pray for them today. I pray your work be done. God, let cause the blessing to flow. Help us always to be grateful just for knowing you. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. And we count it done in Jesus' name. Now somebody, wherever you are, just begin to tell God, thank you for doing it.